Welcome to the One Thing Podcast, where we all get to practice dancing with the one thing that individuals, communities, and countries have yet to try. And I think we're going to start off with an Einstein quote, aren't we? I think so. And you're going to give us the quote. Yes. So this is a quote from Albert Einstein, which is, the single most important decision any of us will ever make is whether or not to believe that the universe is friendly. Right. Friendly or not. Right. And um, I think that I've heard, especially recently, a lot of people assume that the universe is unfriendly because of the things that are happening but it's really important to make a distinction between the world happenings being an outpicturing of humanity's choices over time and the universe in and of itself as as an entity that is a container inside which we are making our free will choices and it's the container and it's the field that we're asking ourselves is this a friendly field? Is this a benevolent, a benevolent field? And it's actually a very important question because everything we do from that basis or that foundation, well, that foundation informs everything we do is probably a better way to say it. And it's kind of a, you know, one track, two track thing. The one track is the benevolent loving universe and the other is the unfriendly malevolent universe. And, um, and it matters which way we choose. I believe it. I believe Einstein chose or understood the universe to be a friendly, a friendly field. And I know that I have come to that conclusion myself. And I think David has too. And we're asking you for your um, heartful consideration that the the universe is actually a friendly p- place, not to persuade you before you're ready to make that decision. But um, what I do know is that. In, in that shift, in that very conscious choice, things started changing that allowed me to meet up with friendlier experiences in life and more loving and benevolent experiences in life. Mm-hmm. And just to piggyback on a part of what you were saying and go a step further, if, if you think that the universe is malevolent or even that it's indifferent, this episode of The What Thing may very well piss you off. Right, right. Because we're going to be talking about things from the perspective of the universe being benevolent. And if you think otherwise, then you're going to be pissed. (laughs) 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 But that's our that's our informed consent, if you will. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Be forewarned. (laughs) Right. So there's a prime directive for species and the prime directive is to the is the continuation of the species and for human beings beyond that prime direction a prime directive of the continuation of the species our prime directive is connection with the source of all life so if you're wondering whether life or the universe gives a shit if we separate ourselves which we can't really be but just for the purpose of having an experiment if we just look at life she is quite working quite well and there's a benevolence to her to her ecosystem, if you will. And so we being an extension of that, um, we, we get to have that same experience, that same um, well-working ecosystem as a, as a microcosm of the macrocosm. So our, our 
um, prime directive once the species is perpetuated is to connect with the source of all life for the purpose of co-creating um, solutions and systems and and out picturings and experiences that are in alignment with the benevolence of the universe, not in a resistant position of the, that benevolence. And most of us tend to res, be in resistance more than we are in alignment and in, co, in a co-creative experience or co-creative relationship. Mm -hmm. And that that's actually what is um, what contributes to the greatest suffering and, and most of the ills in the world is that resistance and that um, that that choice to not make a conscious decision to live as if the universe were benevolent and supportive and loving. Mm -hmm. And also say something about the fact that, you know, animals are in automatic connection with life, but it's different for us as humans. Right. Well, animals are, so humans have, have a conscious, uh, have conscious choice and have free will and animals are automatically connected just by the way their nature is to to the benevolence. So if, if animals are left to their nature, and you know some would say, oh yeah, but they kill each other. But that's the cycle of life. You know, they the, the you know higher species or bigger species you know eat other species that are smaller than them, whatever's their buffet that is. But they're, they have an automatic connection to the universe. They, they have an inner guidance system. It's like a GPS. They go this way when they're supposed to be going that way. Um, they, they, they just follow that by nature. They don't question it. There's not any conversation about it. They don't, you know, do tele telepathy with their, you know, members of their pod. <laughs> they just, they just do it. And so we have that innate Thing built in too. It's just that our mind tends to question it, and then we get disconnected from it, and then we feel like the universe is isn't doesn't have our back, so to speak. And when we feel like the universe doesn't have our back, that's when we suffer. And this is really about the the source of the ills in the world. Right. Yeah. I, exactly. And so. Our whole purpose for having these conversations and talking about the one thing is, is, is a constant and regular supportive reminder that when we connect to the presence of life that we are, the extension from the larger source of life that we can't be anything but, uh, and that the purpose is to first tend to that alignment and then to co-create with that energy as us, which makes for a very different world. And it it tips the scales away from ills and, and pain and suffering of the world more towards outcomes that are more serving for all and, and a, a capacity for more human beings to thrive rather than suffer. Right. And this is for Lori and me, the one thing that humanity has yet to tend to at the highest level, which is a constant connection with this. So we all know what things are for, what to say and what not to say for each of us with our own personal guidance, uh, higher guidance in each moment, and what to do and not do. And this connection, this, this higher connection is how we get away from, we get off of the opinions and positions that our ego wants to insist that we cling to, like, 
you know, stuff about the government or political parties or conspiracies or whatever it might happen to be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, this requires a, um, a real muscle building of connecting our head in with our heart. And then when we do that, reaching for um, this, this alignment with our higher presence. And I, I do am specific about it is a reaching upwards because that's the that's the place in which our higher presence exists until we create this communion where there's more of a connection on an ongoing basis with that higher source or higher spirit or Holy Spirit or great spirit or, you know, <laughs> source of all life or divine love, whichever words you want to put to it. That was in our very original episode. Like it doesn't matter what you call it, but it does matter that you call it. And so um, that will be a regular reminder, loving reminder that we put forward for you. And so, you know, when we talk about the universe, it's important to <clears throat> Make it, make it clear that the universe is the same thing as the unified field or the quantum field. And that that field is literally made, it's like a weave, if you will. You know, there are, there are um, physics, and, and I, I'm not sure if they're uh, uh, cameras or how they take a photograph of the unified field, but somehow they're able to do that. And it's literally these lines of light and there's color and it's, it's gorgeous. And what we're coming to understand is that the vibration of that field is love. And so if we are part of that field, then that means that we can be none other than love ourselves. And that's the whole big, you know, uh, treasure hunt is to come to that discovery for ourselves. And um, there was one more thing I was going to say about that. Oh, if in the consideration of the universe, because sometimes when we think about the universe as a quantum field or the unified field, it, it seems so vast and so big and so outside of us. But the invitation is to consider that this field is not only um, universal, but it's also quite personal. So what if those lines that we were just describing that make up this weave that is the unified field actually pass through us as us, and that we just get this sort of, um, you know, this, uh, this sliver of expression that we call ourselves and our personality and our physical bodies and our you know, our environment, where we grew up and the ways that we've come to be ourselves, that's just, that's just one thread or strand in the tapestry. And so we're not separate from the universe or the unified field. And that's an important thing to come to a relationship with. And if however long that takes, it's worth it. Just like the, answering the question, is the universe benevolent? However long that takes you to come to that, it's worth it. <laughs> yes. And, so the bottom line from this part is, of course, life force cares. Oh, yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Life force cares because life, life force is about self-perpetuating itself, which is the perpetuation of more love. And so... There's nothing great. There's nothing more the field could could care about. So of course it cares. Life cares. Of course it gives a shit. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And this really leads us into a discussion about energy because of course that's all about the quantum field and the the way that the universe expresses itself and and where 
where thought and intention become matter or become materialized because um, there's there's energy that is expressed in an intended kind of unadulterated state a a, a state that reflects the the one thing Mm-hmm. And then there's energy that gets something that's called in, in some of the metaphysical literature misqualified through yeah. human choice. And I would love for you to talk about uh, the the pioneers who talked about this this notion of misqualified energy. Well, I don't know that there was just one or two. I, that's just a particular word that's sometimes used, um, yeah. you know. I think every spiritual tradition, every spiritual truth, the essence of every spiritual teaching understands that when we are in that, that um, pure connection, that there is virtually little misqualification of energy, because if energy is everything, and it is, right, it's just in varying degrees of vibration and frequency, which, which then deems whether it's, you know, uh, ceramic or skin flesh or a thought which we don't see in Chinese medicine it's considered to be the most refined form of chi or life force is a thought because we don't see it it's much like the wind it makes the trees blow and the leaves sway but we don't see the wind but we can't say it doesn't exist so there are varying states of energy and and it's not too much of a stretch for most of us listening and, and having this conversation that everything is energy so then what happens when this energy that we're connected to comes into us, uh, into, let's say, our mind? Well, if our mind is connected to the divine mind, there will, there will more likely than not be much less misqualification of the energy because the energy is going to be in a state of love. But if we are disconnected, and this is the reason that we are so devoted and, and you know, um, wanting to have the, this ongoing conversation about the one thing. If we're disconnected, then all of our old beliefs and the cultural uh, patterns and, and the, the programming and the, the, the ways that we've been taught it, it, the way it is, which is actually not in alignment with the highest truth, then the energy gets misqualified at that point. When pure energy enters and goes through the bandwidth or the filters, if you will, of our of all of our false beliefs. Let's just sort of make that a simple way. And then now we have energy that is being expressed through us that has been misqualified. So we have things like, oh, the the sense that we're not enough or the sense that we're unworthy or unlovable. And then everything we do is from that false belief perspective. And the energy we're using is through those filters and extend it into our lives. And that is a misqualification of energy. And this is what we're seeing on the stage of consciousness now is a, is a great misqualification. You know, we're, it's happening so that we can see what we've misqualified and make decisions to heal, transform, transmute and alchemize the energy and, and bring it back into alignment with love. Um, I think that's a little overwhelming for a lot of people because it seems like it's so much, like there's so many things gone wrong. But one one breath, one witnessing of the energy at a time and, and bringing it into alignment, one heart at a time, one soul at a time, we could do a lot in a short period of time, but we have to get on board for the doing of it. Mm-hmm. Part of why this is important to me that, that you're stressing this so much is because 
I've known, and I, I think you've also known, some people who are really intuitively <clears throat> gifted at connecting into higher or divine input, but who don't really know or recognize that they're taking that input and they're they're twisting it, they're misinterpreting it, they're misfiltering it, they're yeah, mischanneling it, yeah. they're they're uh, they're taking that divine input and then their ego is is getting in the way and turning it into meaning something different from what's intended. Exactly. Uh, and as a musician, this is a perfect example. It would be like playing an untuned instrument. Like yes. the, there's nothing wrong with the instrument. And when it's tuned right, the music is beautiful. And when it's out of tune, it's pretty hard to hear. Right. And so the parallel there is, well, look, I've got a great instrument. I've got a great instrument. So you got to pay attention to my tuning, no matter whether I'm in tune or out of tune, because my instrument is so cool. Right. And look at the air that's being blown through this trombone. <laughs> See, it's good. It's, you know. <laughs> and the other kind of um, example, to, to piggyback on what you're talking about with this, this uh, connection at you know, through the filter in a misqualified way, is people who are um, often disconnected, but they are really good-hearted people. Yes. And they think that from their, their place of being a good person and having a good heart, which is beautiful, please don't hear this in the wrong way, that that's enough. And it's, and it's, I'm not saying it's not enough, it's just not the whole picture. And so then we have to say, well, then there's more. So, so why not, why not invite, you know, good people, good hearted people into this higher reach of capacity so that they're already, they're already good self, already good hearted self can be even more impactful and have more potency in their own lives and the, and the lives around them. Yes. And if you want to learn more about misqualification of, uh, of energy, you can look at uh, the writings of folks like Wallace Waddles or St. Germain or even Abraham. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not sure which of those use that word particularly misqualified, but the essence of the, of the writings will be the same. Waddles does. Oh, Waddles does? Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's why I was thinking of Wallace Waddles. Okay. A lot of people, of course, as you, you and I both know, they think about uh, movies like The Secret. And yeah. they think about uh, Napoleon Hill. Uh, but the, the, the unspoken champions, the ones who predated people like Napoleon Hill, were people like Wallace Waddles, who never got enough, um, enough credit. And there are some others as well. Oh, totally. And, you know, you mentioned St. Germain, who I, I have a mad love affair with. Oh, I, maybe I didn't tell you, sweetie. <laughs> well, he's the ascended master. I so knew that. I knew that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he has a, a series or a, I don't know what you call it, a volume of discourses that um, go into this in quite detail. And, and not only just what we're talking about is how, but how to do your life in reference to it. And it was written about a hundred years ago uh, before world war. Uh, well, I guess it was between the world wars and, um, and it's just, so I'm saying that because the, the writing style and the way they speak is from that era, but it's still as applicable today as it 
could have ever been in, in the course of human history. So if it, if it speaks to you, then even just the first two volumes would be of great value. Mm -hmm. Yes. They're called the I Am Discourses. Read. Yeah. Yeah. The first two volumes are, are great reads for sure. And, yeah. and so are the rest of the discourses. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, the un unadulterated state. So the key is, is to, you know, so the question then is, well, how do I know what is the right, you know, way to qualify energy? And here's the key. You don't, but your higher presence does. So if you think, if you give that task to your mind, then it will more often than not misqualify the energy because the mind has all of these programmed false beliefs and the higher mind, you know, the divine mind, the source of all life that we, that we connect our super, super conscious mind, that we connect ourselves to. Um, and when we lift our mind and our heart and our awareness up into that mind, the divine mind, then we are given uh, the right way to qualify energy, the right, right way to think and feel and act and, you know, and be. And it takes a split second to remember to do that. And maybe another split second to, you know, request and receive. Um, but it's worth it. There's no messes to clean up. <laughs> it saves a ton of time. You know, there are far less messes to clean up that, you know, and rabbit holes to go down and, pain to experience and all of that if if one just takes an, an extra two or three seconds to to do this work exactly and you know there, it's always possible to do damage control after the yes <laughs> after the negative oh. impact which is wonderful that that's always available but it's so much better to not have to do the damage control afterwards in the first place exactly you know people I, I hear this all the time from people they'll say oh man it's just it's a lot of work it takes it takes a lot of energy to do this work and i always agree it's true it takes energy to do this work it takes energy to tend the one thing but it takes more energy to not it's actually harder to not do the work yes yeah uh the 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 um seduction is that our um, our gift as human beings to adaptation backfires so often and it gets mischanneled it gets misqualified it, uh, it it gets to be in service to having adapted to the unacceptable and that's a misuse a misqualifying of our gift of adaptation Right. And, you know, a good analogy would be as if we're going to take a road trip from the West Coast to the East Coast and we we mark out, plot our path and we put it in our GPS and it's very clear. And then maybe we turn our GPS off and we accidentally take an off ramp and we're now way more south than we meant to be. And we've got to find our way back to the main road. It's very similar if we just leave our GPS on and we listen to our GPS, <laughs> then we get all the good stuff. We get the stops along the way and the monuments to visit and the hikes to take in the beautiful you know, national parks and, and we still stay on our road and we find our way to, the, to our destination. So not that having a life is a destination, but just for the point. <laughs> right. The only destination is full connection with the one thing. That's exactly right. And yeah. part of why that's important is just to take what we're talking about a step further is the psychological effects of screwing with the energy, misqualifying divine energy 
in its unadulterated state, turning that divine state into something other than that, inevitably, unavoidably, guaranteed, 100% money-back guarantee, it leads to suffering, period. And when we have individual suffering, that's one thing. But what happens is that when we have individual after individual after individual suffering, when we when we're in a state of collective suffering, when we expand to the collective suffering of most of the seven billion individuals on this planet, the inevitable suffering that collectively results is things like war and enslavement and all of those ugly societal and global uh, devastations that are completely avoidable or can be completely repaired once enough of us are remaining connected more of the time with the one thing. If we think there's a separation between what's going on in the war in our internal world and what we're out picturing out in the external world, then we've got things completely upside down and backwards. They're very interconnected and the internal out pictures uh, as the external, the internal joy out pictures as, as worldly joy, internal divisiveness and war out pictures as external war. Mm -hmm. To think that they're separate or to think that the external world is the boss of us mm -hmm. is part of misqualified thinking. It's part of what's keeping us separated from the one thing. Exactly, and it becomes a tangled mess of life streams suffering and entangled in, in and around each other. In a, in a grand way. And so here's the thing. This is, a, this is a beautiful thing. We're either going to choose suffering in any given moment or sovereignty. And sovereignty is not to be confused with entitlement or narcissism or Tyranny. I only care about me and not about anybody else. Yeah. Sovereignty is the definition of being in this alignment. And the more of us that choose that, it untangles this mess and creates that beautiful weave that we mentioned in the very beginning. And sometimes it's really overwhelming uh, and over, just overwhelming is the best word to figure out how the hell am I gonna untangle myself from the mess? And we, we both have, have agreed, and we're not the only people, and I'm gonna have David share with you because he happens to be really good at it. I learned from him about this. When you can't find your way out of a paper bag, one there's one thing that you can reach for that almost always um, helps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just like you say, Lori, even with our best intentions and our best self-discipline, we get off track. You know, uh, and sometimes when we get off track, it's possible to to simply go, oh. I've gotten off track and to come back on track. Mm -hmm. Other times, not so easy or not so immediate. It's not always possible to just snap our fingers and tap back into the essence of the universe when we've temporarily forgotten the right. one thing. The stronger the muscle is, the easier it is. The weaker the muscle is, the, the more we need to practice in order to build the ease of return. Yeah. Yes. And so 
one of the easiest ways that I have found, and uh, you'll, when you hear what this is, you'll know that I'm far, far from alone. Others have found this too, to access this or to, to reconnect with the one thing is through gratitude. Uh, the, the, there's no way to underestimate the impact of stepping back into gratitude, remembering in a moment when I, when I catch myself disconnected, which often there's a delayed reaction time, right? I'll disconnect and then a little further down the road, I'll go, oh, I disconnected. And if I have trouble getting back into reconnection, asking myself, in this moment, what is there for me to be grateful for authentically? I'm not trying to fool myself. I'm not trying to talk myself into lies. But in every single given moment, if I choose, I can reconnect with something for me to be grateful for. I'm grateful I, I didn't die in my sleep last night. I'm grateful that I'm in a wonderful marriage. I'm grateful that I have my health, you, you know, the, the list goes on and on. In any given moment, any of us can reaffirm to ourselves something true that we are grateful for. It could even be the color of your sofa that you appreciate or the tree that's outside your window. I mean, there's there's things surrounding you without a doubt that- or Our cat or our dog or our yeah. kids or our, whatever it is. Tea or, you know, yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. And, and you'll notice if you, if you stay, with yourself, you'll notice that there's a, a shift when gratitude enters. Gratitude is, a, is, a, is a, the same frequency as love. And so, you know, really the portal to love, if, if accessing love, because sometimes it's just not easy to say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to reach for love or compassion right now, because that might be a little farther up the road for you. I know that is often for me, but gratitude is always right there. Yes. And so um, those are, that's just a nice way to you know, build the muscle. Yes. And as that muscle builds, what you'll notice happens, I, I promise, as, as, you, as, as your gratitude muscle builds, you're going to start noticing in more and more moments that you're joyful for no reason at all. Yes. For no reason at all. Right, and right. that is the state that we're looking for, uh, not the state of, oh, I have to willpower my way back into joy, um, but that there's this, you know, uh, that I, I had a day last week where I um, some things were going on around me that weren't what I wanted to have happen. And yet I noticed that I was still joyful for no reason at all. And this is a byproduct of connection to the one thing. The byproduct is unjustified joy. Right. Joy needs no justification. Joy deserves no justification. And it's our natural state. That's why it deserves and needs no justification. Exactly. And, and the way to get it isn't by seeking joy. It's by seeking alignment and connection. Yeah. Yes. Joy is the byproduct. Byproduct. Exactly. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. And this is something that your mind will try to convince you that you'll figure it out and you'll, you know, you'll make lists of how this all works and or, or doesn't work. And then and then you'll, you know, maybe reverse engineer <laughs> whatever the mind would want to do. And that's actually not how this piece works. It works by the simple act 
of giving yourself permission and reminding yourself in whatever way that means to you, whether it's little stickies in your the places that you visit often in your space or, or setting alarms on your phone or whatever, is reminding yourself to simply connect and, and connect again, and then connect again when you, when you lose the connection, because we all do. And the, the, um, you know, the ways that you know that it's working is you have less time between your connections. You realize, oh, I only went an hour today instead of the whole day. And you more easily come back to your connection. Or the byproduct is joy for no reason, or um, ease of relationships and things working out around you, that kind of thing. Or I only disconnected 50 times today instead of 200 times. Right, exactly. <laughs> that is progress. And all yeah. of that progress adds up over time. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so we, we realize that David's going to tell us that we realize we're you know, mm -hmm. laying some basic bricks here, but. Yes. And so, yes, it's true in these in these initial episodes that we're still going through in in the One Thing podcast, we we're still laying foundational bricks, because if you don't know what Lori and I stand for, then when we start getting into the, uh, you know, into the the deeper stuff, into the external stuff, the societal stuff, the health things, the the. Um, you know, specific topics on specific things, um, they, they, it might not make sense as much to you uh, by the time we get to episode 200, unless <laughs> you've got these foundational bricks that we're laying. And of course, you can always come back to these early episodes to reference these bricks in order to regain your traction when we're talking about um, more dicey kinds of, of societal and personal issues. Exactly. And you can't build a house without a foundation and you can't play an instrument without the original scales. I mean, you just, it's just the way it is. You got to do it. <laughs> uh -huh. So in our next episode, we're going to talk about homo deus. And this is the idea of human as God or human as source. And there are two versions and we're going to tease it out and say which one will you choose but we're not going to tell you until next week and which one might you help humanity to choose so yes. we, we look forward to that conversation with you next week it's going to be a very juicy conversation because uh just as again by way of a teaser we're we are we are already emerging into this age yes and the question is which of these two versions of human as god are we going to collectively choose? And one has an exquisite amount of suffering and one has an exquisite amount of sovereignty. <laughs> so it's kind of a no-brainer. And until next time, remember to dance with your better half. <laughs>